Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music, music teachers. This is episode 92 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this show, I want to talk about the balance of strictness and authority in our teaching. Welcome back, beautiful teachers. Great to have you here. Before we get started on this little chat about strictness and authority and what it means to us as music teachers, I just want to throw in a quick reminder that we would love to hear from you for our 100th episode, which is coming up soon. We want to hear your stories about lessons learned in the last year. Anything new you learned that applied to your teaching or your business or your work life balance, you could have learned it here on the podcast or elsewhere. We want to hear your stories about your new lessons of the past year. Go to colourfulkeys.ie slash 100 to record a voicemail there, record a little voice message, or just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us, support at colourfulkeys.ie. I'm really looking forward to listening to your stories and hoping to publish some of them on the 100th episode. Now to this idea of strictness and authority. This balance and this juxtaposition that doesn't really sound like one, that sounds like synonyms, occurred to me recently when I was chatting with a new teacher. So this teacher has been teaching for about a year and a half, and they're struggling basically with control in the lesson in subtle ways. We're not talking here about horrible behavior, you know, students completely out of control, off the walls. No, it's nothing like that. But there's little instances where the student isn't necessarily following their plan and they're not following direction as well as they should be. And this is occurring in a few different places and I don't think it's unique to them. It's going to be something that happens especially to a lot of new teachers, but to teachers in general as they venture into new formats or just meet particularly challenging students, shall we say, that work a little bit differently than they're used to. And so we come down to this idea of strictness because this teacher was asking me, well, I'd love to see your teaching because I just want to see how strict, what the kind of tone you're taking in lessons because they were finding it hard to balance that. Of course, I referred them to the teaching videos, which are inside the membership site, vibrantmusicteaching.com, so that they could get a sense of what I sound like when I teach. 
but it isn't about copying me. That can be useful to see how other teachers do it, but I actually think this is a broader issue. And I don't consider myself a strict teacher, but people do follow what I say. I'm not someone who's very, you know, black and white or your typical stereotype of a strict and authoritative teacher. But actually, I do have authority in the lesson. I do have control. And so that's where the idea for this discussion came from. I also think it's relevant to talk about this when we think about fun lessons, because this is also a common misconception there, that when we're teaching fun lessons, when we have a fun style, that we're going to be loose. We're not loose. I'm definitely not loose. I think people who ask me about my time management can can attest to that, who look for productivity skills from me, because I'm definitely not loosey-goosey all over the place, right? But I do have a fun teaching style. And there's a difference there, and there's a balance to be found. How do we maintain that authority while still being fun, while not seeming strict? Because actually, I think the place that this comes from, in both instances, when we're talking about, you know, fun teaching and get it from there, or whether we're quite a new teacher and we're struggling with this. In both instances, I think this comes from a place often of not wanting to be that stereotype of the horrible piano teacher with the ruler on the back of the knuckles, right? Does anyone have that in their mind when they think about laying down the law? They don't want to be that person. They don't want to leave that taste in someone's mouth. And it is important to err away from that, actually. Yes, sometimes we can go too far. But if we don't keep that balance in mind, and I'm not actually talking about physical punishment here, of course, I'm just talking about that general stereotype of what a piano teacher used to be or people perceived them to be. When we stray too far on the strict side, it is a problem because piano music lessons in general are an extracurricular activity. And so we can't be too strict. We can't take that kind of attitude because, I mean, they don't have to be there. They are going to quit. Even if they don't, they're never going to play for fun, are they? For their own enjoyment, because they're going to associate it with this bad environment. So we don't want to go that way. And I'm certainly not strict, as I said, but I do have authority. The reason I have to have that authority is because otherwise I won't have control over the lesson. It'll be student-led and not in the good sense of that phrase. It will be literally the student leading whatever we want we're doing. Now, it's fine to let the student choose the order of activities if they need some control and stuff like that, but it's not fine that they decide the curriculum, is it? Because we have things that we have to teach them and we can guide it around their interests, but we still have to teach them about music. We have a responsibility to do that. The other problem is that often students are saying no to certain things, certain tasks, certain activities that we want them to do. When we've lost control and they're saying no to things, the things they're going to say no to are usually the things that they think are too challenging for them, are too difficult, that they can't do. And so because if they get away with saying no consistently, they're just going to reinforce that idea that they can't do it. And they can do it if they follow our lead and if we break down the steps to an appropriate level for them. But if they're saying no because they believe they can't do it, 
it also means they believe that they can't trust us to lead them through that task. They can't trust us to break it down enough for them. They can't trust our belief that they can do it. And that's not a good basis for a relationship of a student and a teacher. So how do we become more authoritative? If you have fallen into this trap, if you've been so afraid of being strict, how can you gain authority back without being strict, without yelling at anyone, without being stern or gruff about it? How can we gain back that authority? Well, there are two simple language tweaks that I think actually go a long way towards this for me. The first one is, instead of saying, would you like to, let's, how about we, any of those phrases, just simplify it, and this is hard to do at first, so believe me, it sounds simple, but it's not easy. I want you to say, we are going to, blah blah blah, now. We're going to play scales now. We're going to play this game now. We are going to do this now. And if it's a student that you've been working with for a while, they're not going to take easily to that, but you're going to have to stick to what you say and really do the thing that you say you're going to do. We are doing this now. And as I mentioned earlier, you can let the student actually set the order, but then you have to both stick to it. So if you have a student who is particularly challenging, likes to have control, um, feels a little bit off kilter, and therefore they want to control how the lesson goes, that's fine. You offer them something like the visual lesson plan cards, which I have on the site. You, they're just little pictures with different things you do in the lesson, right? You give them those with all the things you need to get done. So if you're going to play two games and three pieces, you have that many cards, that many of those cards. And then they get to lay out the order of them. So if they put two games at the start and then it goes three pieces, that's fine. That's what you'll do. You'll do it in that order and scales will be last if that's their least favorite, right? But you are going to get to all of them, so you'll need to balance the time. And then as you get to each activity, you point to the card and say, we're going to play scales now. We're going to play a game now. We're going to do this now. But you have to say it as a blanket statement that you are going to do it, not any couched language. It's so... The reason this is so challenging to switch is because it sounds rude to us. We're so used to softening things we say. It's just a habit. And it sounds unusual to us to say things so directly. But this is something really that I gained from learning more about working with students with special needs and learning differences. ADD, Asperger's, not called Asperger's anymore, but when I was working on this it was. So autism spectrum disorder those kinds of challenges. And one of the things I learned was to be more direct in this way. And actually, it's better for all our students. So that's one little tweak to your language. The other thing is, in a similar vein, to simplify how you correct things. So if the student is picking up a bunch of random stuff, we say, we don't play with things until we're told to here. The reason I like the here is because they can't say, well, at home I get to blah, blah, blah. At home I get to chew chewing gum. Well, we don't chewing gum here. That's one of my rules in my studio. I hate chewing gum. So we don't chew chewing gum here. That's just, you know, it's no judgment on what you do elsewhere. There's no room for wiggling. And there's also no giving out about it. We just don't do that here. It's that simple. So we're not going to do it. 
and it works 99% of the time as a correction. So those are two little tweaks to your language and you are going to have to follow through on them. Be true to your word. Either we're going to do X now and we don't do X here. Simple changes, but they make a big difference to having that authority and having control over the situation without sounding strict or mean or, you know, unpleasant. So we need to find that balance because we need to stay open. Yes, you could have a really strict studio and you could take that extreme level of authority where you do come across as a bit stern in some cases. And, you know, that has its benefits because you will get a lot done, actually, if students go with it. But the huge drawback to going that far is not just about that stereotype of the teacher with the ruler on the back of the knuckles. It's about them being able to, them being afraid to come to you with things. Things could be anything. Things could be that they had a challenging week and therefore practice wasn't so good. I want students to be able to come to me and just tell me that so that practice isn't this horrible thing that I say they have to do and then when they don't do it, they feel all guilty. No, it's not like that. It's much simpler. It's just we do it most of the time and if you have an off week, you just tell me about it and that's fine, right? Because we all have off weeks. There's no point getting into a cycle of them lying to you about it or trying to cover it up. So things could be things like that. It could also be that if you get really strict, and I've seen this in action with transfer students, they can be afraid to come to you with pieces they want to learn because they think you'll only teach them pop music or only teach them exactly what's on your plan. Sorry, only teach them classical music instead of pop. Or it could be the other way around. Whatever it is. They think that you're so rigid that you will only do what's on your plan and you're not open to anything. And that will close them off from developing their musical taste and opinions and identity within their lesson. And that's a big problem because having their own musical identity, finding what they like and what they don't like and what they want to explore and what they want to do and learning that in the structure of music lessons with you is going to serve them really well in becoming a lifelong musician, right? And that's what we want. So we need to stay flexible. We need to take them up on fun ideas. If they bring you Bohemian Rhapsody, learn it together. Great. If they have a little idea or bring up something to do with, you know, a particular section of a piece sounding like some pop song they just heard, great. Explore that together. That's relevant. That's musical. But if they start telling you about their cat, and you have a lot to get done, and you, it's not time to listen to their story about their cat, then you have to be able to move on from that. And definitely, if they pick up your stuff without asking, if they refuse to do tasks, you need to be able to follow through with that as well. I like to think of it as pasta. The strict teacher, what I think of as strictness, is a dry piece of spaghetti. If you try to bend that, it will crack, it's snapped, it's gone, it's broken. Whereas the authoritative teacher is the perfectly cooked al dente. It's not floppy, it's not disintegrated into the water, it hasn't flown away, but you can bend it, right? You can bend it quite a lot and form it into slightly different shapes and permutations, but it keeps its structure. And that's what we want to be, that perfectly cooked al dente spaghetti. So tell me, where do you stand? 
Have you ever been too strict and gone too far that way? Have you lost control of the lesson and just had students running the show? Tell me about it. Tell me about your experiences in the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers Group or VMT Clubhouse over on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you about this. And I'd love to hear your stories as well. So don't forget to record them and send them through as a voice memo for our 100th episode or visit colourfulkeys.ie slash 100. That's the numbers 100 to record your voice memo there. You can record it as many times as you want and listen back to make sure you're happy with it and then send it through to us so that we can hear your stories and hopefully share some with our listeners. That's it for this week. Bye for now. If you want to see my teaching in action to see how this authoritative but not strict form of fun teaching looks, you can find videos inside the video library. If you're not a member yet, you'll have to sign up first at vmt.ninja to access those and tons of other great resources today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.